Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Lara Prince and Noah Houlihan, and we have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we will analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that lasted only one season, or some, like this one, that lasted only one episode. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. It's dragon time. It's dragon time. We are doing the 1987 pilot, uh, Puppet Man, which is less of a good title than Dragon Time. Than Dragon Time. Or Puppet Master, which is what I kept calling it. But no, that's a horror movie. Correct. This was a pilot, an unsold pilot that still aired because uh, CBS was airing it on their... Uh, Summer Playhouse series. Yes. Uh, you gotta remember that, like, in the 80s, the summer was kind of a dead time for television. Yes. They kind of just assumed you were out. So it was either one-time specials, mm-hmm. reruns, or things that we had lying around that we hadn't shown yet. Yeah. And this ran for three summers, 87, 88, and 89. But by this, you mean the Playhouse. Yes. Uh, I think the Summer Playhouse is a super interesting thing. So we're going to take a second to talk about it. Oh, by all means. But before we do, I think we got to pour one out. Oh, regrets. Yeah, this is a regretful one. I don't regret what I've done here. I do. You're going to regret yours later. Yes. What have you done? Uh, I have the White-Eyes Blue Dragon. Okay. Which is an orange uh, seltzer with blue curacao. Which, if you don't know, blue curacao is orange flavored. Okay. So it's orange and orange. And then I put a whipped cream top on it that made it like kind of frothy and magical. And then I put some blue streaks across it as well. The idea being... That the whipped cream is a vanilla, and the flavors are an orange, and this should taste like a creamsicle. That was the plan. All right, what's happening? Um, it's gross. Okay, no, take a sip. <laughs> oh, I've been drinking it. Uh, I think it, I would have been better off if we had real whipped cream and not Cool Whip. Yeah. I'm not a Cool Whip fan. It yeah. looks cool. It looks... It. I would actually call it a cloud city. Like, it look. It does have, like, a cloudy sky look yeah, to it. Yeah, it. it looks really cool. And uh, that's, that's the end of the compliments I have for it. But I'm going to suffer through this. It's only one drink. It can't really be that bad, right? Hmm. Parallels. So I have a... Um, I made myself a beverage out of a plot point. Uh, two plot points, actually. Uh, one is that the child in this eats too much junk food. Mm-hmm. And one is that they are in a ratings war against a show that is doing a pageant for, like, Miss Dairy Farm. Yes. Uh, so I have blended together, because I love the blender, um, frozen bananas. If you've never blended frozen bananas in with liquids, uh, do that. Because it's, it adds, like, a really nice creaminess to it. Uh, so I did that. Some uh, skim milk, a little bit of low-fat Cool Whip that I had already taken out, um, 
some Kahlua, and uh, a piece of cake. <laughs> Just a piece of chocolate cake. Yeah, we were watching that Matt Pat video yesterday about uh, the cake is a lie. Yes. And I was like, you don't need eggs, oil, or water. You can just make it with diet soda. And you can. Mm-hmm. And then because the little boy ate too much junk food and we didn't have a lot of chocolate flavored things in the house, uh, I just threw in a piece of cake to blend. <laughs> so makes, technically there's diet soda in this as well. That makes sense. That makes sense to me. It looks like yours is far more enjoyable than mine. Do you want to try it? Yeah, I'll, get, I'll take a little sip of this. I don't want to try yours because I actually don't like Cool Whip either. I like it in stuff like this. Wow. All I'm getting is coffee. Oh, there is Kahlua in it. Mm -hmm. It's hysterical because there's a shot of Kahlua and an entire piece of cake. Yeah, and all I'm getting is the coffee. It's unfrosted cake. I'm not an animal. Yes. Also, some of the banana did not blend super well because I just found a chunk. Let the record show. Mm. So, now that we have poured one out, let's talk about Dragon Time. No, I'm sorry. Let's talk about the Puppet Man. No, let's talk about the Playhouse. Go ahead. Okay. So it ran three seasons, um, and what it would be, it would be these pilots that hadn't been sold. Right. And in the first season, which is the season in which uh, Puppet Man aired, they would put up a 1-800 number and tell you to, like, call and tell us what you thought about this series. Really? Yeah, it didn't mean anything. Oh. Like, it wasn't like, it wasn't like the What a Cartoon show where the top one would get sent to series. Oh, it was just... Give us a call, we're lonely. Kind of. It's the summer and they left us in charge, so we're just playing these tapes we found. Yes, I'm looking for the exact time slot. That, um, that is interesting. It reminds me... We're, it ran on Fridays. We're six... Fridays make sense. Fridays is the death slot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're six minutes in and I'm about to go way off topic. Good. I remember this like ABC Disney movie about... Uh, a TV station that, like, gimmick was it was always showing brand new shows. And they thought this kid was, like, the hit maker because he always knew which shows to air. Mm-hmm. But it was because he had a pet monkey that was, like, really good at picking what people liked. I, I'm going to have to look into it and find what that was. But it sounds like that's what they were doing. They're just kind of, like, throwing stuff up there and seeing if anything sticks. Did did anything stick? Um, Kung Fu the Next Generation? Okay. Um, it wasn't picked up, but they it did kind of keep the franchise alive enough for Kung Fu The Legend Continues in the 90s. Uh, not really. Not a lot of these really turned into anything. Interesting. Uh, what I get from this is CBS has already spent the money to produce the pilots. Yeah. So they just kind of aired them as these little, like, I mean, it's the Friday night death slot. It's summer during the 80s. People were actually just, you know, out doing cocaine, yeah. not watching TV. It's the kind of thing that 100% you and I would have watched every week as kids. Yeah. Because I think that's, and the problem is they can't make these just kid-friendly. Some of these probably were more kid-friendly than others. Yeah. But this feels like circa early TGIF, mm-hmm. but CBS just didn't have anything to run. Like, we didn't have summer programming the way there is now, and obviously on-demand programming wasn't a thing yet. Right. And cable was only just starting. Right, so there wasn't even that many So channels. there, like, wasn't much out. I hate these coasters. 
Yeah, I don't know why you have a problem with these coasters. It's because I have a glass bottom that sticks to these. Every time I take a sip, I'm going to need you to talk for a second. Okay. <laughs> that can be on mic because it's funny. Um, mine has an entire piece of cake blended into it. Right. I'm going chewing in yours. No, there's not chewing. But there is like mouth cake. Um, doing great. So Puppet Man aired in the first season. It was the fifth episode. Now, certain weeks they would double. Uh, so this did run in an hour time slot. Okay. So so sometimes they had a pilot that was an hour, yes. probably. And then sometimes they had two half hours. Yeah. Like this one aired with Sawdust, which is about a an accountant who buys a rundown circus. And from what I'm told, uh, Sawdust is actually better than Puppet Man. Well, luckily we do a, a podcast where we talk about stuff like this. So maybe Sawdust will pop up. Yeah, we literally could run for almost a year off Summer Playhouse material. Right. Uh, that being said, a lot of these are incredibly hard to find, or at least in different times were incredibly hard to find. Right. Including Puppet Man. Yeah. Uh, Puppet Man was for a while a holy grail for Muppets fans. Okay. Because this is Henson. Uh, Jim Henson produced the uh, puppets. And uh, Richard Hunt, who you probably know best as Fozzie Bear, mm-hmm. uh, plays Dell, who's the secondary lead. Gotcha. So this did kind of have its connections with Muppet lore. Gotcha. No actual, like, known Muppets appear in this, right? No. It's just um, all random dragons. The dragons appear in later shows. Yeah? Uh, Yeah, we see them in, like, the wobulous world of Dr. Seuss. Oh, okay. Because they're they're high-quality puppets that you wouldn't want to just throw out for this show. Yeah, I mean, they're absolutely... um, They're Henson puppets. They're great. Um, They remind me very much of Magellan. From Eureka's Castle. There's a lot of Eureka's Castle feel to this show. Yeah, and it to the point where I was like, man, I really wish I was watching Eureka's Castle. So, I guess let's jump into this plot. Yes. Um, so, we could go over the entire plot in about a minute and a half and then go through the series. Or the episode. Because the plot is, they're making a dragon show. It's ratings week. Oh, no. Mm. Uh, the star's kid shows up. Yeah. Oh, and then, no. And then the star's kid gets sick. Oh, oh no. no. And then everything's magically fixed in 20 minutes. Hooray. So it's a stay doomed. Thanks for listening. <laughs> On the bright side, we finished Escape the Night. This is now an Escape the Night podcast. Oh, now they're going to be upset. There's a lot of problems with this that I want to address. Oh, absolutely. Because I don't understand why they thought this was a good idea. So the intro, we got to talk about this intro. Yeah, let's talk about the intro first. Because holy mother of Christ. Um, Now this aired in 87. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't have when it was made. But, oh, no, I do. The pilot was taped in April 87. So this was the late 80s. Now, you know what a lot of late 80s TV shows look like. Look at early seasons of Full House and, you know, Cheers. Those are also their contemporaries. The intro to this looks so much cheaper and crappier. But also, like, your fifth grade cousin who's taking their first video production class. Yeah. Uh, Because what they'll do is they'll tighten these circles in color 
on the actor's face as they introduce them. And that will still be in motion, but the rest of it will be in a still shot in black and white. Yeah, I don't get this. It's very aggressively early 80s. There's one part that just has like a border. Yeah. Like a video, like like video dating service, kind of like border transitions. Now, usually the intro theme is the last thing that is created. This way you have lots of things to cut to. To create the intro? Yes. So I'm not surprised that this episode that was a failed pilot that just happened to be aired didn't have the highest quality intro cut up for it. What I'm surprised by, though, is what it look what it did look like. It was very overproduced, and they clearly intentionally shot an intro. Uh, because not, all, not every show has the, like, cut-to intros, mm-hmm. like... A good example of one of the cut two intros is like the Golden Girls, where it's just like snippets of episodes that they had produced up to yes. that point. All the things we talked about last week in the greatest moment in television history. Right. But the other way to do it is like more like the full house way, where they just filmed the picnic and stuff, and they right. just filmed an intro not using things from episodes. Mm-hmm. And we see some of that in the greatest uh, moment in television history. It's the classic character walks in the door, looks at the camera, and gives a big cheesy smile. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a very... You never see that in an episode. It's a very classic intro. Right. Uh, this They clearly filmed an intro specifically for it. Yeah, they're in, like, in that van. the Dragon Tales van. Yeah. Implying that this is a traveling show. Yeah. Uh, that's we only- not really addressed. Yeah, we only see it as essentially a public access TV show. Mm-hmm. This is so thick. Um, we see it, it looks like a public access TV show in Madison, Wisconsin. Yes. And, which is important because dairy farms. Yeah. And they are, we then go to another intro. Yeah, the Dragon Time intro then happens. Well, the Dragon Time closing credits. Yeah. Which sounds suspiciously... Like the end of Eureka's Castle. I didn't actually put that together. It sounds almost exactly like picnic time! I will have to play them back to back. Spicy, salty, sour, sweet. I love Eureka's Castle. When you meet us, we're on the line. Come on, join us in Picnic time! Oh boy! Picnic time! Picnic time! Come on, Tail! I know you do. It's why I'm intensely embittered by how much I like Eureka's Castle and how much I think this sucks next to Eureka's Castle. Right. So the bit here is we see the closing moments of uh, Dragon Time. Yeah. And the star who is a human. Yes. uh, Rita. Rita. Does like a song out of nowhere. Yeah, which is very little kids TV show, public yeah. access. Like, this is very big comfy couch, lamb chops play along, but the human is doing like a cute little song. It's yeah. Sesame Street. Yeah, the song is about waiting your turn. Yes. Wait your turn, wait your turn, wait your turn. <laughs> but the producers of the show are unaware that she's going to be doing a song? No, they're fine with the song. What then happens is one of the dragons spits, like, fake smoke in her face. No, there's definitely a line from the control room 
where she's like, let me finish a song. And the guys in the control room go, what song? Oh, you're right. Yeah, because so they're trying to establish that she's a drama queen uh, spotlight stealer because she had to have a song there. Right. And she's done up like a princess, but she is much... There's no delicate way to say this. She is too old. Yes! Um... Because we want, this is going to be a weird pull. We watched the Defunct Land episode on Mouser Size. Right. The other day. And that's a little more in keeping with what a children's TV host in that role would look like. Would look like. It's a young, perky college kid. Yeah. Like, forgive me, but like, she looks like the villain of Dragon Time. Yes. And like, I, I don't mean to be ageist or mean, but like, in casting a children's television show, that is the role she would have been given. Yeah. Like, I would be expecting the princess to be more like Stephanie in Lazy Town. Yeah, for her to be a princess implies that there is an older woman who is still queen. <laughs> right. Um, so, during her song, Del, who plays one of the dragons, shoots uh, smoke from his puppet into her face. Yes. She coughs, everybody laughs. And they finish the episode, which are clearly done live. Which is weird. Correct. And she, like, freaks out and stomps off set the minute they're not live anymore. Because mm-hmm. uh, she fights with the puppeteers and then the director waylays her. And we find out exactly how she got cast. Uh, she is sleeping with the director. Yes. Which is problematic as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to assume... There would be a plot point later of her getting all about Eved. Probably. Of yeah. like, they they kind of set it up with the ratings issue mm-hmm. of like, they would want to bring in a younger, more beautiful person to play the princess. Yes. Now, let, let me address my first problem with this show. Sure. Okay. So we have our main characters here. We have Rita, who mm-hmm. is the princess and not a dragon. Then we have Del, the secondary league, who's one of the dragons. And then our actual main character and younger version of Ric Flair. Gary. Gary, who's a- another puppeteer in this. There is a third puppeteer. Uh, and then there's the other female puppeteer. Holly. Holly, yes. And Holly, it must be said, is more of the type to play a princess. She looks more like um, Ariel in Little Mermaid Island. Yes. Like that young, perky, pretty. Mm-hmm. We also do see the angle of the puppeteers. This is my problem. Okay. So basically the premise of the show is it's about the behind the scenes of a puppet show. Mm -hmm. It is hard for me to relate to the behind the scenes of a show that is purposely kept secret. Mm -hmm. Like you are never supposed to see the puppeteers in a puppet show. That's the point. And I feel like a show like this that is constantly breaking that magic for you, you're going to have a hard time enjoying. This is why, like, Burt Wonderstone didn't work for me. Because you're not supposed to see how the magic trick works. But in that movie, you do. And even though it is not a magic show, you are still breaking magic shows. There's another show I want to say it was called Nikki. Which is about a woman who is dating a professional wrestler. And all of, like, wrestling is exposed in that show. Total Divas? No, not Total Divas. 
It sounds very similar. Total Divas actually sometimes pretends like wrestling is real. That's true. <laughs> like, they still have talks where they're like, I really want to win this match. This one, like, wrestling is fake and, like, just in the background of this show. When you take a topic like that and put your setting in the breaking of the immersion of that, it is always distracting. I can agree and disagree with your point. Okay. I agree that it doesn't work here, but I disagree that it cannot work entirely. I'm not saying it can never work, but it will always be a distraction. Right. But I think that could be a compelling premise. Were this clearly aimed at adults? Oh, the, the, the whole end of this podcast is going to be me screaming, who is this for? Yes. <laughs> so, so get ready for that. Yeah. And I'm going to set that up right now because I think you could do a really fun, um, I think you could do a really fun version of this. I mean, Death to Smoochie is a good example of peeling back children's television For an adult audience. Yes, but I would say the main reason Death to Smoochie works is Smoochie, uh, Edward Norton's character, never peels back that layer. Like, he is always Smoochie. He's truly a good person. Right. Uh, So I think because that kind of grounds it, it works better. I mean, yes, I would argue that that's Dell in this show. The Dell is genuinely kind of a Muppet. I have a whole Dell problem okay. that we'll get to in a moment. So we're going to get there. Uh, and then, so the director takes Gary, our lead aside, and is like, Gary, you're like family to me. You're wonderful. You're irreplaceable on the show. You need to fire Dell. Mm-hmm. Because Dell has repeatedly antagonized Rita with whom the director is sleeping. Right. And Gary is like, I can't fire Dell. Like, Dell's like my family. Uh, Dell is very annoying. And Dell is an overgrown child. And this storyline is dropped almost immediately. Yeah. When the kid shows up. They're like, you gotta fire Dell. No. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> and his son is Zach, who's well, now that we're talking about Dell. Yes. Let's get into the Dell problem. Okay. Dell at times only talks through his puppet. Mm-hmm. But then at other times doesn't. Okay. And like they're not filming. And the puppet will talk. Like, it's not like they're rehearsing. It's not like the show is live. They're, like, backstage hanging out. The last Della question. Dell will respond, and then the puppet will say something. Dell, I gotta talk to you. What do you want to talk to him about? About Rita. Oh, he doesn't want to talk about her. I do. I do. Dell, I'm not doing it. I've got to talk to you about Rita. Oh, I don't want to talk about her. See, I told you so. (laughs) And then, go away. I thought the argument was essentially that Dell was saying whatever he felt like through the puppet, acting like the puppet was a separate entity. Which would be fine if they committed to it. Because there's another moment where he just doesn't have the puppet. Yeah. And I was just like, they needed to either commit one way or the other. Where it was just kind of like, I'm using this puppet to be a jerk. Mm -hmm. Like, because I know it's annoying you. Or... I am a very strange man who only feels comfortable using the puppet to talk a la Mel Gibson in The Beaver. Right. They don't do either, so I hate it. Okay. <laughs> like, so what is this? So, uh, Gary's son shows up 
And immediately, uh, Gary, like, passes his kid off to Holly. Who, by the way, we do not know if Holly knows this child. True. Um, so it's this very, like, gendered, like, here, watch my kid, woman. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm wondering if Holly is going to be a love, was intended to eventually be a love interest. Because Holly's job seems to be um, walking gender role. Yes. She is very much, I am the, it's this character archetype you saw a lot in the late 80s, early 90s of intelligent, responsible woman who still does all of the gendered labor. Yes. Like the only sane woman. Mm. Because Holly never looks like an idiot. No. Um, But she doesn't either, she doesn't get any jokes either. Yeah, like Holly never looks stupid, but she's never funny. She is a plot device and possibly being built as a love interest. The women in the show come off horribly. Yes. Well, Um, do you remember why the son is there? Because Gary's wife is at an audition. Yes. So Gary's wife is an actress in Chicago. Right. It kind of plays it off as weird to me as, I can't take care of this child. I might get a role in entertainment soon. So you take it. Person who has their own show in entertainment already. (laughs) Well, ostensibly, she is trying out for a better job than he currently has because he's in a local public access dragon show. Yeah, I guess that's not where the big bucks are made. No, like, not even at this point was, like, cable wasn't even big money right at this time. Right. Uh, This is, like, a local affiliate. He makes enough to live on, but he's not making, like, big bucks. It's also this very weird, like, neither of these parents seems to particularly like this kid. No, what's Um, wrong with this child? Because we get to, uh, like, later when we're in Gary's house, Gary gets a phone call that his wife has gotten a job with a touring company. Mm -hmm. So she's going to be touring the country. She's toplining a national tour. Which is, like, a huge job. Right. And without ceremony, is like, well, Zach's your problem now. Doesn't say goodbye to her kid. Doesn't inform her kid. Nope. There's no discussion of arrangements to get the rest of his possessions. Um, I guess that kid's going to live out of a small suitcase for the entire series. Yay. Um, <laughs> so, like... I'm already really uncomfortable with how, like, unloved this poor kid is. Right. Like, dad doesn't really want him. Mom is gonna drop this kid without a second thought. Um, and Zach doesn't really like his father. Right. I wonder why. Yeah, I couldn't figure that out. Almost like, this kid looks to be about, what, five, six? Something like that, Bad at ages. Very little. Like, mm-hmm. four or five, probably. How much time do we think this kid's actually spent with his father? Yeah, probably very little. And I think it's very little because we also see uh, Gary introduce Zach to Dell. Who, yeah, who is his partner. So yeah, who is implied think... to be someone he knows well. Yeah. We see Holly, like, put Zach in his pajamas... Yeah, because they, they accidentally leaves the kid's clothing behind. He leaves the kid's suitcase at the studio and Holly shows up with it because she's responsible and female. And of course she's going to bring the little kid his clothing right. uh, because that's God. her freaking job in the world. 
at one point, like he go when he goes to answer the phone to Zek's wife, Holly, who is now I guess this poor kid surrogate mother, mm-hmm. uh, puts him in pajamas and like takes care of him. Yeah, because Holly may be the only adult who gives a flying crap about this kid. Yeah. Um. So this whole time, Gary has been promising Zach that he will take him to a working farm. Yes. Um. Because Zach's is a weird kid who only wants to go to a farm. No, they're in Wisconsin. There's nothing else. Yeah, that's true. Uh, this hits home for me because I uh, missed a field trip to a working farm as a child because I got the chicken pox. Bummer. And it was the big helpathon, so Nickelodeon was off the air one of the days I was sick. Nice. And it's like still a trauma point for me. Because, uh, like, th- again, this was the early 90s. There was nothing to do. Um, so he uh, kind of fobs him off on Little Bud, who's like a production assistant. Yes. Before we do that, there, there's one moment I really did appreciate. Yes. If I'm going to, this is the part I want to say something nice about this show. Uh, there's a moment where they're talking at the dinner table mm-hmm. or the, the table and they're eating pancakes and Gary grabs like a napkin and salt and pepper shakers and makes a puppet in like seconds. Yes. And like, it was amazing to watch because this guy is obviously clearly really a puppeteer. Mm-hmm. Like within seconds, those three common items become something else. Yes. Like in a moment, that was a dragon. So the puppetry on this show, top notch. Yes. End of compliments. Yeah. Like I will say the puppets in this are great. Yeah. Um. Anywho. Uh. There's actually like a little moment where we kind of get why that Zach hates his father. And so Gary like makes the kid pancakes and he's like, I like waffles. So Gary picks up the pancake and throws it on the waffle iron, which is, I guess, mysteriously already hot. I don't think he was even hot. I think he just kind of squished it. It was like, look, it's a waffle. You're five. Yeah. And like, so the kid is not having any of it because Gary has kind of pushed him off on, Mm. again, another stranger. Yeah. Like, this guy's real chill with strangers watching his kids. I know that, like, rules were different in the 80s. Mm-hmm. I was a latchkey kid in the 90s. Like, I know people were really fast and loose about who watched their kids in the 80s and 90s. Right. This still seems super weird. Yeah. That he's just regularly passing off his kid to, like, literally anyone. Mm-hmm. And so he gets on set and he finds out that, like, Rita has quit because of Dell's crap. Yes. And Gary has finally kind of had it with Dell and looks at him and goes, do whatever you have to to get Rita to come back on the show. So they, they kind of have this like argument and little bud comes in carrying Zach, mm-hmm. who is very ill. Yes. His, they th- believe his appendix has burst. Um, so they go to, they can't, uh, there's a, a little bit where Gary... Uh, can't get the whole dragon suit off because it takes half an hour to get out of. Yes. Remember that. Mm-hmm. It takes too long for him to get out of the dragon suit, so he has to wear the whole dragon suit into the hospital. Yes. Which is clearly the cheapest, emptiest set. Well, there's so many problems with this because, one, Little Bud says, I think it's his appendix. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine leaving your kid with an adult and that adult going, oh my god, your appendix is burst. Let's get you to the television studio. Yeah, because this is like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? And then it's like, all right, here, here's your dad. That was some good babysitting I just did. And then I think we're supposed to assume that Gary 
runs the child to the to the hospital. He didn't drive. He's a dragon. Yeah. 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 So and in the so this, angry about this it. bit is also intercut with uh, Dell having talked Rita back, singing "You Are My Sunshine" mm-hmm. with his character and Rita, and he's clearly like, Bleh. yeah. They have a shot of of Dell making himself sick that he has to do a duet as a puppet with Rita, the lowest of the low in entertainment. You have a TV show, suck it up. Exactly, like it's very. It's very immature and stupid. So we, we go back to the hospital and Zach ate too much ice cream and made himself sick. Yes. This it, this was a little funny to me because of what happened to our friend's dog recently. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Our friend's dog ate too much rabbit poop and got sick. And I was like, oh, this five-year-old's about in this level of this two-month-old puppy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just ate too much ice cream because Bud didn't really watch him well enough at the farm. And by the way, that... That was only half full, that drink I had, and I'm kind of grossed out right now. And there, there's the regret we talked about. Yeah. We promised you regret, and yeah. we deliver here on Stay Do. Yeah, I really assumed the regret would settle in later, but here we are. So we get this moment where they're, uh, they have won their ratings war because I hate this bit so much. So much. Uh, they'd been competing with like a morning show or like a, you know, I want to say Wake Up San Francisco, but it's like, it's just like a daily talk show kind of thing, like a mm-hmm. chat show. And they'd been doing these pageants. Yes. Like for Miss Low Fat. Yeah, this was Miss Low Fat because the, they were looking at the best milkmaid. Yeah, it was like Miss Milkmaid. And so, and they were having like bikini contests, which is, you know, also sexist. Yeah. And they end up winning because it got canceled. Because... It got pulled. Got they didn't pulled. run the episode. Because it turns out one of the milkmaids was a milkman. Don't tell me. We beat Ion Madison in the ratings. No. No way. You can't compete with milkmaids and bikinis. But you did win. By default, they had to put on reruns. <laughs> what are you talking about? Turns out one of the milkmaids was a milkman. Milk. Was it the blonde? No, no. The redhead. Oh, the one you liked. No, no, the one you liked. That was a bit crazy about it. That's it. That's the joke. Like, let's talk about comedy theory for a little bit, because this is where I can actually weigh in on a subject. Uh, when it comes to comedy, it is important to have the other, the mm-hmm. thing that you're kind of making fun of. Right. The butt of the joke, if right. you will. Now, a lot of my comedy, which is nerd-centric, the butt of the joke is either us, the thing we like, or me, because I don't want to hurt anybody. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I I have very little political humor because I don't like to tread those waters. I always kind of just make fun of the stupid thing that I did. Because I don't mind being the butt of the joke. Right. The thing with the other is it's often in comedy a group or a person that is unable to defend themselves. And the idea being we as a group all agree with the thing I'm saying. Back in the 80s, things like gender fluidity and uh, transgenders uh, was very closeted. It was something that, like, you were kind of told to hide. Yeah. So you could make this joke 
Because there was no, like, alliance to complain about. Yeah. It doesn't make it right. No. So... Not at all. Like, and I've always heard people say, like, things have gotten so PC. Things have gotten so PC. It's like, the truth is, those jokes were always terrible. It's just that the people that you were offending and hurting are no longer in the shadows afraid to say something about it. Yes. So just hearing this joke... Which is a non-joke. Yeah. The punchline is, there are some people who are transgender. Yeah. That's... It's uh, it's so bad, and it's one of the few jokes in the show. Well, and then they throw it back and forth to each other. Of like, ha ha ha, it was the one you liked. Oh, yeah, the, the whole gay panic thing? Yeah. Like, it reminds me, there was an entire time where... Maury Povich would just do an episode of, is this a man? Is this a man? Let's, let's uh, invite our next guest out. Is that a man? Oh. Th- those days are over. Like, and like, I-, I understand it's a different time, but man, today I don't enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, it, it does not age particularly well. No. Ugh. Let's also talk about this. Because mm-hmm. if I've learned anything recently... From Chris Jericho. It's all about the demo. This show is for five-year-olds. Are they upset that that they're not getting... We didn't finish synopsizing... We didn't finish summarizing the show. When I say this show, I mean Dragon Time. I don't mean Puppet Man. Okay. Dragon Time is a show for young children, like five years old. They're not watching the Milkmaid thing... And you're not going to attract the 17-year-old boys that are watching the Milkmaid competition to your dragon show. Like, your comp- Like, there's not a time where, uh, like, Sesame Street is like, how can we get people to stop watching CNN and watch us? No! It's, that's not your audience! Yeah, you're right. Like, this is... It's a behind-the-scenes show about television that doesn't understand how television works. Yeah. I am so frustrated by this. Yeah. So the last scene of the show is... We see this cute little moment where Zack is playing with a puppet in the mirror. Yeah. Like a cute little, like, craft puppet. Like, it's not, like, a nice, like, Henson... Mm -hmm. It's clearly one that, like, someone made for him. It's not something a five-year-old could make, but, like... the high-quality song. Holly probably made it, Mm -hmm. because it's what she does, apparently. And so he's playing with it, and then Butane, one of the dragons, summons him to the stage. And he goes, like, Zach, where are you? And so Zach comes out and has an entire conversation with Butane. And then kind of mentions that his favorite is another character named Candle, who looks like a troll. Yeah. So then... Candle comes out and, like, has a conversation with Zach about how his dad wants him to live with him. Because he's like, would you want to live with your dad? And Zach's like, he doesn't want me. Because all of Gary's actions have shown that he does not want his child. Mm -hmm. And turns out all you have to do to win your five-year-old over and undo emotional damage is be a puppet. Yeah. So he's like, okay, I want to live with my dad. And then his dad pops up and ruins the illusion. Yeah. 
And I, I want to put the the exact quote in here because it, it made blood shoot out my nose. I was so frustrated. After talking with Candle. What do you say, Zach? You want to come here and live with me? More than anything. More than anything? Yeah. Why? What? Name one thing this man has done for you, kid, that makes you want to stay with him. Yeah, like, and apparently the script was cut down. Because apparently the dragons had more dialogue. That that would have been great, because then there could be jokes in this. Yeah, and the dragons were apparently like, it made it a little clear this was a show for the whole family and not just like for kids. Because it was more like the slightly adult humor in a full house. Right. Uh, where, yeah, you'd have the A-plot with like little Michelle having her problems. But usually there was also like a more adult plot so that the adults could get something out of it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like losing more of the dragon's dialogue, because like Gertha was apparently supposed to be like very like sharp-tongued and a little weird. But they cut almost all of her lines. The mm-hmm. female dragon. Okay. And there were a few more like edgy lines that were cut. Like, don't touch the puppets. You never know where they've been. See, that would have been great, though. Like, I try to think, what were the jokes in this? There was the joke of, like, the one producer who gives Zach $10 because he thinks it's the or the director who gives the Zach $10 because he thinks it's the producer's son. Yes. That's a joke. And then there's the waffle joke. And then when he gets to the hospital, he gets his tail stuck in the automatic door. Yes. That's a joke. But there's nothing in here that's, like, slick or makes anyone really likable. No. And, like, there is not a female character who comes off super well. No. Everything is bad. Like, Rita is a bratty. I I mean, this is very obviously, like, women written by men. Mm-hmm. One is a bratty drama queen, and the one is an absent ex-wife, and the other is a woman whose entire job seems to be to be subservient to the other men. Yeah. So, uh, that's that's Puppet Man. Yeah. There's one more thing I hate that I didn't get to bring up. All right, cool. So Go, I'll bring shoot. that up. Uh, Gary can make noises. Is it Gary? Yes. Because, like, one of the things he does is he goes, like, Aluga, Aluga. I hate when they decide to build something around a character because an actor can do a thing. So you really hate Full House. Like, I kind of, I think it's okay with Joey. Because is that what you're talking about? Joey Gladstone? And, like, everybody hates Mr. Woodchuck. Like, everyone has the same reaction of, like, oh, he's doing more Mr. Woodchuck. You, you, that's a missing element in this show. Mm-hmm. But, like, the same way they did, like, a Carrot Top movie and they just put props everywhere because he's the prop guy. It's like, that's that's not enough to carry anything. The fact that he can make interesting sound effects does not make him a good character. All right. Or someone that I care about. And every time they for- – it felt so forced in – because the the one puppet's like, I need to hear a cuckoo bird. And he goes, oh, here's a cuckoo bird. He goes, auga, auga. In reality, you would never rely on the actor to make that noise. No, it would be... <laughs> well, in reality, I don't think you would do a show like this live. 
And it's strongly implied the show is done live. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you would do something where if a performer moves the wrong way and is seen by children, mm-hmm. it's traumatizing. Very true. There's also a line where he's like, ah, oh, guys, we got to win this wa- ratings war. Let's stay late tonight and work on the show. To do what? Like, are you you're doing another rehearsal? Are you writing? The show's like, you know when the next show is. Are you not prepared? <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's bad. Like, they did all, and that could be fixed by a line of like, oh, let's work on the show. Let's write a new song. Like, just something like that. Give me something to tie all these ends together. Yeah. But everything's just like this nebulous, we have stuff to do. Which is infuriating. Yeah, which feels like it's something for children. Mm-hmm. Because they don't want to, like, get into what the nitty-gritty of how mm-hmm. a show is done. And that, that brings me to the big problem, which I promised you I'd yell about. Who is this show for? <laughs> Who is watching this show? I, I think it's an attempt at a the whole family show. But instead, it doesn't do anything correctly. Like, I keep talking about Full House because that's the family comedy I grew up with. Right. And how it has this good balance of jokes for adults and jokes that are for little, little kids. It's supposed to be something you can watch with the whole family. And I think that's what Puppet Man wanted to be. Um, But it doesn't do any of that well. And, like, the kid is a prop. The kid, yeah, the kid is not a great actor. Oh, it's not even that. It's just he doesn't have, like, a storyline that's relatable for kids. No. Because uh, I just watched, this is going to be a weird one. I just watched the first episode of the Netflix Babysitter's Club. Okay. And the kid's storyline in that feels much more realistic, and so does the adult storyline. Like, I'm watching this being like, okay, I can see where Christy is coming from, and I can see where her mom and uh, stepdad are coming from. And that's, like, where a successful family show lives. Of, like, if a little kid watches it, they're going to be like, well, Christy's in the right. Mm -hmm. If an adult watches it, they're going to be like, oh, you know, Christy's mom. And her stepdad's trying so hard to relate to her. I feel bad for him. Yes. It's it's like how when you watch Little Mermaid now, you're like, Triton has some good points. Yeah, but when you're younger, you relate real hard to Ariel. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think younger kids would have related to Zach. Yeah. They don't make him fun. He Um, has no agency. It's always just like, okay. Yeah, he's passed around like a football. He has very few lines. He doesn't really have anything that's his. Mm -hmm. We kind of see him start to do a puppet. And like, I'm like, okay, that could be an interesting place we're taking this, but it doesn't really stick. I I think if I could make, if I could try to fix this show. The the theme throughout should have been, I cannot connect with Zach. As much as I try, I cannot connect with Zach. And then, Zach talks to a puppet and is never aware it's his father. Yeah. And then you have this kind of like weird dynamic of like, I can talk to my son through this dragon. But eventually he's going to figure out that I'm the dragon and that's going to destroy him. But I'm getting closer to my son. That's a show. Absolutely. Like, the idea that he can only relate to his son through the puppet. 
and, you know, they won the ratings war. What now? Yeah. There's clearly a van. It's clearly supposed to be like a traveling show. What happens? He's now got a kid. Uh, Rita's a diva. We need to fully, like... Rewrite the entire damn show. Uh, Mist Outfire this. But instead of it being a, a woman made, it's a dragon. <laughs> yes. That That's what needs to happen with this. And I guess there's also the lack of stakes of, like, we know the mom is still alive and fine. Yeah. So, like, she could just show up the next day and be like, didn't work out. I'll take Zach. Have fun being a dragon. Yeah, like, you, the only way you kind of feel for Zach is that, like, he has no parents. Yeah. So that was Dragon Time. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm so in suspense. Is this a stay tuned or a stay doomed? Oh, this you? is a stay doomed. I, I said that at the 10 minute mark. Oh, I know. <laughs> How about for you? Oh, it's a stay doomed. I, under the game over rule, like you and I discussed ways you could have improved the show, but it would have such massive rewrites. It's not the same show anymore. Yeah. Uh, so I just got a message from on high. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did not make a Riverdale reference at all this episode. Uh, we're not done. Well, we're about to wrap up and you didn't make one. Yeah, well, I'm going to get there. No, no, no. We, we, It's too late. And now we have to do something Riverdale related next episode. Promise? What are we watching next week? Read the memo that we got sent from the boss. The 1960s pilot for Archie. Archie. Oh, boy. But it, it's not Riverdale. It's not Riverdale. It's based on the Archie comics, so it's the same characters. It is probably much closer to the comics than Riverdale. Yes. So this will be the oldest thing we've ever reviewed. Yes. Because so, this is older than Turn On. Because based on this thumbnail, it is in black and white. Yeah. So we wanted to go deep back. I mean, our bosses are forcing us to go deep back, and we're gonna do. We're gonna try something new and try something that's like uber classic. Yeah. Very very old. Yes. Uh, before we sign off, I want to put this teaser out there for a possible show. How many seasons did Greg the Bunny run? Greg the Bunny. Because I think that actually might be proof that the show can work. Greg the Bunny. Greg the Bunny. Ran for three seasons. Oh, all right. Well, sorry. Check out Greg the Bunny. It's funny. Greg the Bunny. Uh, good news. Eureka's Castle's Christmas specials on YouTube. It is Christmas in July. Guess what I'm doing later. Where can people find us, Lara? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. And if you have an idea who this show was for, I'm at Plus Two Comedy. If you really like the Eureka's Castle Christmas special, I'm at Stay Doomed. Until next time. Stay Doomed. <laughs>